Every part of your vehicle serves a purpose, especially your tires. When they aren't right, it makes a big difference in safety. So, find great deals on trusted brands of automotive and specialty tires for farm machinery, utility vehicles, and more at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. A lot of our Wisconsin farms have veterinarians visiting their farm regularly, with some even coming every day. But are there enough large animal vets staying in Wisconsin to be able to handle this demand? I'm Charity Seebecker with the Midwest Farm Report. Alicia Kowalski, DVM and clinical instructor in large animal medicine at the UW Vet School, says half of their UW Vet School graduates stay in Wisconsin. She provides some insight into the demand for large animal vets and how they're preparing their students to be able to take on that demand. Based on the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, there's roughly 2,000 veterinarians total per state. Unfortunately, they don't really break it down further into equine or large animal, you know, farm animal type positions. So we're kind of roughly saying the American Veterinary Medical Association has about 4% of all veterinarians in U.S. clinical practice are in either food animal, equine, or mixed practice. Whereas, you know, the vast majority of veterinarians, again, nationwide, tend to be in companion animal practice, 67% there. So while I can't say for sure, just looking at those numbers, it definitely gets the feeling that there are certainly more animals than veterinarians. And a lot of it depends on the region that you're in, you know, specifically how far you're having to travel to get veterinary care for your animals. But I think overall, there are probably fewer or there certainly are fewer large animal veterinarians kind of in the workforce compared to small animal and still a reasonable number of large animal patients to be seen. What is the pay scale like for large animal vets? I know there's people out there who just assume they're making a lot of money because, you know, horses can cost a lot of money. So can dairy, you know, so they just, I think, assume that they're just making quite the load of living here. A lot of it will depend, again, on location, the size of the practice that you're at, kind of what level of practice, like level of veterinary medicine you're working with, trying to give actual numbers for you. I think based on some of the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics stuff in Wisconsin, they do have a higher range, anywhere from 80 to a hundred plus thousand dollars on average a year, but that's not taking into account the kind of division between species. So, you know, I would say for some areas in maybe more rural Wisconsin, Googling what the average salary is, you can get as low as, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. You certainly can get closer up to, you know, probably eighty for a true average. And then some more specialized veterinarians might be making closer to that hundred plus thousand mark. But it all kind of depends on where you're at in your career. You know, starting pay is clearly not going to be that hundred, hundred and twenty thousand dollars, but you might get there over twenty years. And especially if you're a practice owner, that can affect things as well. If I had to give a reasonable somewhere in the middle average, probably somewhere in the like sixty to eighty thousand dollars a year. And then, you know, whatever benefits you have with that. But for ambulatory, you know, that's taking into account the fact that you do still have to pay to get around as far as gas 
or mileage on your farm truck, whether or not that's included with your salary or if that's paid for by the practice, you know, all that kind of plays into it as well. So then how is the School of Veterinary Medicine preparing students to be able to take on that demand? There is, for the admissions process, a food animal veterinary medical scholars program at UW specifically, and they work with UW River Falls, Platteville, and Madison, and have a kind of recruiting and support kind of food animal interested students. Predominantly dairy is what it tends to be, but presumably any kind of agricultural inclined pre-veterinary student can apply. And that's one where usually up to four students can be admitted and they're enrolled as first year undergraduate and through the program can have conditionally granted admissions to the SVM following successful completion of the program. And that kind of just gives them additional exposure. You know, they have academic requirements, as would any pre-veterinary student, but additional research and kind of mentored clinical experiences. Again, that's a pretty small number, but it gives a a great experience for that. As far as, you know, if a student is coming into a pre-vet program, knowing that they're interested in agriculture, that's a good way to kind of get your foot in the door. There are additional outreach events that the School of Veterinary Medicine has at high schools, um, including agricultural science courses, veterinary science courses, Future Farmers of America, both at the high school and collegiate level, and certainly 4-H programs kind of in the area and, you know, working with the vet school can really kind of foster that interest and kind of make sure that we're we're getting the, the students who are interested in pursuing a career in especially agricultural veterinary industry. And then kind of once they get into vet school, there are opportunities for, you know, large animal and mixed tracking. Um, So you can kind of focus your interest, your academic pathway, if you will, to kind of get some additional exposure to large animal cases. And then there are the food animal and equine specific tracks. Kind of on average, about 11 students and five students for food animal and equine, respectively, per class. And that'd be out of a class of about 100 or so. That can vary from year to year, but usually we're somewhere around those numbers. So again, it's a smaller proportion, but we do have that available. And then there is a large animal ambulatory course that's been established kind of going along with the School of Veterinary Medicine. Unfortunately, we are hospital-based, and so kind of having some practices that are primary care practices in the area that students can go out and gain some of that additional field exposure in a clinical setting is another way we have set up for that. And there are about seven food animal practices as far as the kind of production animals in the area that we work with and two equine practices that kind of take students for ambulatory rotations and get that exposure as well. How many of these graduates are are your students staying in Wisconsin? Is there a draw for them to stay in Wisconsin? Roughly about 50% total of the graduates do end up staying in Wisconsin. I think a lot of them probably are from the Wisconsin area. And so that's one of the draws is, you know, home and they kind of are staying local. And then about 25% might complete internships or residencies. And some of them actually do come back after, you know, a year-long internship somewhere. And then 
food animal focused graduates. As of last year, all except one actually stayed in Wisconsin to practice veterinary medicine. And that one that didn't was working in Illinois. So not going far. Having the industry that we do have in Wisconsin, especially for the food animal focused students, can be a pretty big draw there. How is supply chain and inflation affecting vets being able to get pharmaceuticals? I would say, um, you know, there are always going to be supply chain issues with this, that or the other thing. I would say there's been a bit of a increase in some items that have been backordered or more challenging to get since COVID, you know, and we're still seeing some trickle down effects from that where there are some issues getting things. It's not necessarily to the point where we can't do our jobs. It just makes it a little more challenging as far as we know there are some things that are backordered that we can't get that we only have a certain amount of and we just have to be a little cognizant, judicious of using those particular items, especially in situations where something else might be just as good, you know, an alternative. That's probably one thing where, you know, moving forward, we really have to be mindful of what we're using when and, you know, if there's something else that could be equally effective so that we don't have to kind of have that, oh, well, we can't get this medication and it's a huge problem. Beyond that, you know, unfortunately, there's not much we can do about it as far as, you know, veterinarians, clients, they're not the ones in charge of producing it. And so we're kind of at the mercy of the pharmaceutical companies, you know, and certainly, as you mentioned, inflation can be a problem as well, because the higher those base costs become, the more we have to charge as veterinarians and the harder it is to say, well, I can't afford doing this for, you know, 20 animals if they all need that same medication. And so that can become problematic as well. And again, just looking for alternatives that work within the kind of limitations of the situation, whether it's finances or the actual medical care that is required can be tricky, but we have to kind of find some workarounds for that. I would say, you know, one thing that a lot of people, you know, might think is it's all kind of glamorous, but it can be very physically and emotionally demanding. You know, there's a lot going on. And while there is the support system, for example, companion animals, there are specific emergency services that, you know, a, a primary care veterinarian can refer, you know, it can become more of a nine to five position. I think a lot of large animal physicians don't have that yet where, you know, you might have an on-call person, but they're still doing daytime stuff as well. So that is, you know, probably one of the biggest demands is, you know, where large animal veterinarians tend to hit it pretty hard and really work to give the best care possible. And it can, it can take a toll. And I think, you know, that's something to be cognizant of. We all want to do what's best for the animals, but we can be limited at times. That was Alicia Kowalski. DVM and clinical instructor in large animal medicine at the UW Vet School. To learn more about their program, look for their links to their website in the article on our website at MidwestPharmaPort.com. From the Midwest Pharmaport, I'm Charity Seebecker. Do you love maple syrup? Ever thought of making your own? Blaine's Farm and Fleet makes it easy with just a few key items. Stop in today for some friendly advice and all the supplies you need to tap and gather your sap. 